Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy for today. This evening, we're going to be discussing the reaping of the earth's harvest and the prelude uh, to the bold judgments in Revelation chapter 14, 15, and 16, which will be the bold judgments. I um, hope you guys are doing great this evening. hope everything is great. I hope if you had a chance to look at the sun today uh, or this evening, wow, was it super bright orange Woo! it was kind of neato tonight um i hope you guys got a chance to go uh, get some pictures and if you did please send them to me at bible prophecy the number four today.com or well that's my website but at outlook.com i would love to see your pictures my iphone did not do it justice today anywho oh, mm, i hope you guys got out uh, and got to take uh some pictures of that or at least got to see it so Tonight, what I wanted to talk about is, so we finished chapter 13, where we left off as the Mark of the Beast, and I kind of delve in a little bit more uh, to the historic part of that, like looking back at Daniel, you know, how uh, the Apostle John is looking at it from the end all the way back through history, right? Well, the prophet Daniel was looking at it from his time on into the future, right? So that was kind of neat um, to look at that and where we set out in history. So. Uh, what I want to do today is I'm going to read the last uh, the last little segment there of chapter 14, because we did talk about 14 in the last one, the 144,000 Jews, um, and the proclamations of the three angels. If you missed it, I did it uh, not before last. So anyway, this is reaping uh, the earth's harvest. So let's check that out. I'm going to adjust this mic here, too. Okay, so here we are, Revelation chapter 14, beginning in verse 14. So reaping the earth, the earth's harvest. So then I looked and behold a white cloud and on the cloud sat one like the son of man, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap for the time has come for you to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. So continuing verse 17 says, uh, reaping the, gra uh, the grapes of wrath. So then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. And, a, and another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horses' bridles for 1,600 furlongs. So we'll get into that a little bit later on in the book of Revelation. But what that's talking about is the army of Armageddon. And so it comes up to the bridles bit is what it says. And so that's that's coming. But as you can see, it's preluded to here uh, when, he, when they talk about this. So... Dr. Uh, David Jeremiah's study Bible gives us some insight into this, right? You're probably saying, what, what is going on here? Well, let's take a look. So he says, a common biblical image uh, for the judgment is a grain 
harvest. So the Bible talks about that a lot, right? That's in Jeremiah 81, 33. We look at that in Matthew 13, 37 to 43. So the Bible uh, talks about and, and, and talks about that a lot. And of course, does um, analogies with that, right? So this final harvest, of course, is going to occur before the Lord triumphantly returns to the earth, of course, at the end of the tribulation, right? And so Jesus is the one, like the Son of Man, carefully gathers all the wheat, keeping it separate, right, from the tares, and then thoroughly supervises the separation work done by the angel so that no believer is judged with unbelievers, right, with the unbelievers, until the next one, right? And this is the harvest primarily, of course, he says, of believers. That's 14, 17 to 20, right? And so then the next angel comes, right? And this one, the first angel comes from the temple in heaven with a sharp sickle. The second angel comes from the altar and has power over fire. Apparently, the second angel is in charge of the mission, for he orders the first angel to cut the ripe clusters, he says the ripe clusters, and throw them into the wine press of God's wrath. And that's talked about, okay, in Isaiah 63, uh, verses 2 and 3. And also, Joel talks about that in chapter 3, verse 13. So unlike the grain harvest, there is no separation here. Okay, so all in the vision are unbelievers. Of course, they are destined, destined for judgment, right? And so if you remember when Matthew talked about that, right, the book of Matthew, Jesus said there's going to be wheat and tares, right? And they're going to grow up together, right? But you can't, like, you couldn't just go pull up the tares, right? Because you'd pull up the good wheat too. And so Jesus had alluded to that in Matthew. And so it gets kind of exciting, right? And so uh, 14 uh, verse 18 says, if you can hear my little dog in the background, he, he literally waits. He waits all day and he's so sweet in his little bed. He went to go see his girlfriend today. His little girlfriend's a little teacup chihuahua and um, mm, he's in love, right? And so we go see his girlfriend today and he is super, super uh, excited. He's still stoked from seeing his girlfriend. So he's a little chihuahua mix and he's just a handsome little boy. I probably need to put some pictures of him up on uh, my on, on the website because he's super cute. He is in a couple of my videos um, on YouTube as well as my cat Murph. Murphy's usually the ones you guys are hearing because she's like all over the place knocking over so she's a typical cat you know i've had a cat before but she wasn't a real cat i guess um because she didn't knock over stuff while she stared at me um she liked to go riding in my jeep she hung her head out the window like a dog she met me at the door with the rest of the dogs she was uh she didn't know she was a cat but this one murphy murphy totally is a cat she is she is like that what is that meme that always says get a cat they said it'd be fun they said yeah that's what I got. I got Murphy, and she's a total cat. So anyway, we're going to move right along here. So verses uh, 19 and 20 talks about the final battle that's alluded to is the Battle of Armageddon. And so that's, in, of course, verse 20 uh, presents some details that are hard to imagine. But can you guys imagine the blood that is shed in this last battle is going to be enough to come up to the bridle, to the bridle on a horse, right? And it's not just going to be like a small area. Okay, it's a 200-mile area, okay, that this is going to come up to. And we'll talk a little bit about where that area is, uh, the Jezreel Valley there in Israel, because it's still there. And I think, was it Napoleon that said this is the greatest uh, battlefield in the world or something? I think it was Napoleon. But anyway, 
we'll get into the into that a little later on in the book of revelation but right now this is all the prelude right to the bold judgment so he goes on and he says um the plague so this is 15 verse 1 so we're gonna go ahead and read revelation 15 verse 1 well maybe probably read on to 16 because there's not it's not that long so it says um then i saw another sign in heaven great and marvelous seven angels having the seven last plagues for in them the wrath of god is complete and i saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire and those who have the victory over the beast over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name standing on the sea of glass having harps of god they sang the song of moses the servant of god in the song of the lamb saying great and marvelous are your works lord god almighty just and true are your ways o king of the saints who shall not fear you o lord and glorify your name for you alone are holy for all nations shall come and worship before you for your judgments have been manifested after these things i looked and behold the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened and out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues clothed in pure bright linen and having their chests girded with golden bands the one of the four okay then one of the four living creatures gave uh to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of wrath full of the wrath of god was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed that is chapter 15 this is the prelude to the bowl judgments so folks it's getting exciting up in heaven and to think now just think now if you're a Christian now or if you make that decision uh, to make Christ your Savior before the rapture of the church or before you die you're going to be in heaven we're all going to be watching this this is going to be cool because we're not going to be down here but this is going to be so cool you guys mm. so anyway let's move along here so get you a couple of really good study bibles commentaries so i have tony evans study um commentary over here and so i kind of glanced at that earlier today um and so he was talking about up here it says 15 verse 1 he says this chapter is a prelude to the seven last plagues he said which will be de delivered by seven angels he goes, with the delivery of these judgments god's wrath will be completed that is there will be no more judgments to be poured out on earth during the tribulation final judgment will remain in which the wicked and the righteous are consigned to the respective eternal destinies in view uh here is the cessation of the temporal judgments of the tribulation while all the judgments to this point have been catastrophic john hints at the uniquely awesome nature of these last judgments by noting that the sight of the seven angels was great and awe-inspiring in verse uh two he says as in four six john sees something like a sea of glass in all likelihood it is not actually made of glass but is a body of water that is utterly smooth the calmness however does not indicate serenity for the sea is mixed with fire an indication that the calm is merely a dramatic pause before a display of god's burning wrath standing on the sea are those who had won the victory over the beast by refusing to worship its image or be marked by the number of its name these believers presumably have been martyred because they are in heaven rather than on earth and of course they hold harps from god in verse 3 he says the song of these believers is the song of god's 
servant Moses and the song of the lambs. That was awfully pretty cool. And then 15.4, he says, um, the two specific reasons for which God is worshipped are his character and his works. He is to be feared because of his glorious name and utter holiness. So that's what's wrong with this church today. That's, that's what's wrong. I see people going into church with their little lattes and, uh, you know, just, I don't know. There's just no reverence for God. No reverence in his house. I don't know if you guys remember what Jesus did. Remember when he flipped over tables and was whipping people and he goes, you're going to make my house, you know, my father's house, a house of, yeah. It's a house of prayer. And it's, you know, we are to reverence God in, in his house. I wish to reverence him anywhere, but especially when we go to church to worship him. And so what we're there for is to worship him, not us, not ourselves, not none of this, not other people, not what other people think of you, not what you drive, how you dress, none of that. No, we're there to worship God and show him all because he is all inspiring. He is awesome. That's where we get that. But anyway. I'm not going to go there. This is the study of Revelation. But anyway, you can see while we're in the tribulation, yeah, this is coming. We're, we are not in the tribulation, but in the tribulation, you see all this happening, right? But you can see the signs coming that's showing the tribulation is near, and this is what's going to happen, right? So get excited, you guys. Get in the Word of God. I'm telling you, get in there and start reading the Word of God, you know? Get good commentaries. Listen to good people. Jack Hibbs, very good. Calvary Chapel, Chino Hill, Dr. Uh, David uh, Reagan is fantastic. This Lamb and Lion Ministries, um, definitely go check out some really good teachers. Be sure you're looking at those good. You know, you don't want to, there's a lot of false prophets. We are living in the end days. The Bible did tell us that. What did Jesus tell us over and over and over and over again? Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. And what else did he warn us would happen in the end days? The apostasy of the church, which means the falling away from true Christianity would be like, I mean, staggering in the end days. That's one of the signs before the Antichrist comes. That's one of the big signs is the apostasy of the church. We see that happening right now, everywhere. I don't have to tell you that if you're a Christian, I don't have, if you're a born again believer looking to be fed, you know, at these churches these days, I don't have to be the one to tell you going, oh, wow, you know, <laughs> yeah. But can you imagine? But if you see the signs happening, how much closer are we to the rapture of the church? Anyway. For you that'll be left behind who haven't made the, the Lord your Savior, if we were to be raptured right now and you have made your, the Lord your Savior, this is what you're going to face. And then this is God's wrath. We're not even talking about, you know, the tribulation and the trials you're going to go through by the wickedness of people and their hearts have been turned cold. Like I said, on that one Tucker Carlson, if you haven't watched that, well, I don't blame, I do not recommend you watch because it's very disturbing about the young black man that got out of his vehicle and another young black man walked up behind him and shot him as he's laying there dying on the ground. He like robbed him and then walked off. There's another black guy sitting there, just looked at him, like just shook his head, right? And then he get up and he walked around the guy's vehicle and then he looked over at him and just shook his head and walked on. Didn't even bother to help him. And then, and then here come three more people around the corner. What do they do? They finish robbing the guy and, the, and they're just standing there staring at him. Nobody bothered to help him or call for help. This, folks, is what the Bible says, the love of many will grow cold. We are in those days right now. A couple of years ago, I used to manage a H&R Block Advisor's office, and there was a, uh, I was working late one night. Anyway, there's a bar, there's like a Hoots bar on the corner, and uh, this girl got stabbed. It was all over Facebook. They were stabbing this girl. Nobody, nobody stopped it. They all had their cell phone videos out, video on the whole thing, and cheering her on while this girl's getting stabbed. And I was like, my goodness gracious. But, 
Bible said the love of any would go cold. So this is teeny tiny little Texas town it's happening in, right? It's happening everywhere. The Bible said it. But anyway, that's the whole reason why I want to do the study on, on the tribulation to let people know how bad it's really going to be. And that, that what's going to happen is like, that's that satanic, demonic all over the world. Do you really think that's a good thing? No, that's not a good thing. But this other part, the worst part is God's wrath that's going to be poured out on the earth. That's what's going to be so bad. Is people who take the mark, they're going to have the loathsome sores on them. They're going to be stung by these demonic creatures, right? And they're going to want to die because they're in so much pain, but they're not going to be able to because God won't let them die. What? Yes, people. Yes. So anyway, just going to give you guys a little heads up of what's really going on. But yeah, this is what's coming, people. This is what's coming. So anyway, moving right along here. <laughs> you know me, ADD. I can't help it. Uh, so anyway, he even talks about verses five um, and six. And so he says, um, the procession of the seven angels out of the heavenly temple and indicates the judgments they are to bear some directly from God's presence. For in the Old Testament, the temple was where God's presence dwelled. The agents of judgments are dressed to highlight their glory in moral purity with pure bright linen and golden sashes wrapped around their chest. He was one of the four living creatures creatures introduced in chapter four, six um, of Revelation um, gives the seven angels, seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God. Do you guys remember that? So if you haven't go back and read Revelation chapter four, because these are the prayers of the saints, right? Oh, how long, oh Lord, how long until you, you know, vindicate us? How long, oh Lord? So here says the appearance of these elements in chapter four. And again, here book ends the judgments of the tribulation it says as worship service in heaven, featuring the four living creatures inaugurated the tribulation, a worship service featuring the creatures will culminate it while God's wrath against the earth will last only for a season. He lives forever. So of course, then he goes on top of the temple is filled with smoke. And of course, it, it, you know, it goes back to like, uh, first Kings. If you, if you ever go back when Solomon, uh, dedicated the temple and God's presence was manifested um, as a cloud that filled the building. No one could stand to enter and the priest could not carry out their assigned functions. So it's going to happen again, right? And of course, well, the second occurrence scene occurred in Isaiah 6, 4. There the temple filled with smoke as Isaiah beheld God's glory, glorious presence seated on a throne surrounded by angelic creatures. In both instances, the cloud smoke signified God's manifest present presence. And that is the point of the smoke in Revelation as well. He says, God wants all to recognize him as the source of the fierce judgments to ensue. And uh, this is um, Tony Evans. I took that out of his commentary. So if you don't have good commentary, grab a good commentary. There's lots of good commentaries out there. But I just picked that one up the other day. And I thought, huh, let me open up this gun and see what's in here. So, of course, I went back to Jack, uh, Jack Vanapie's Prophecy Study Bible. Of course, he went through Revelation Verse by verse, he has a study on it, right? It's super great. If you haven't got a chance to get that, go to the website, get it. I'm telling you, you're not going to be uh, disappointed. I think it's jvm.org. I do believe Jack Ministries.org. So thanks, yeah, jvm.org. Anyway, go there, check it out. So he goes on to talk and he breaks it down. He says, so check this out. So he goes, this is uh, verse 20. It says the wine press was trodden without the city and blood came out of the wine press, even into the horses bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. He says this final scene in Revelation 14 describes the work of two angels. Uh, the one with a sharp sickle comes from the temple in heaven, while the other 
uh, with power over fire emerges from the altar because the one in command is the angel from the altar. He immediately orders that the vine be cut off and cast into the great wine press for the wrath of God. Since true children of God are branches of the vine, see John 15, 5, he says, the members of the one world church of the Antichrist and false prophet are called members of Satan's vine. So the time of their pruning or destruction has arrived at last, and they are cut off and cast into the great winepress of God's indignation. And he said, oh, what a pruning of branches takes place during this hour. The conflict begins in the, in the valley of Jehoshaphat and becomes center in the valley of Jezreel, which is on the plain of the Esdraelon uh, near the hill of Megiddo. So this is chapter 16, verse 16. So that's coming up. But it's mentioned beforehand here, right? But he says, uh, verse 16, 16, so he goes, And I will gather all nations and will bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them uh, there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Remember that. Not supposed to part Jesus' land. Not supposed to part Jerusalem or any of that, right? It's been done, though. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full. The vats overflow, for the wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. That is Joel 3, 2, and 10, 14. So he goes, eventually, uh, the battle encompasses the entire nation of Israel and is, of course, global in involvement as the armies of the world meet in the Middle East for the final Holocaust of history, the Battle of Armageddon. And you can check more on the Battle of Armageddon, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 2. It says the result is a 200-mile-long area soaked with blood. That's the 1,600 furlongs. In American mathematics, is a distance of 200 miles. Interestingly, the nation of Israel is 200 miles long from north to south. According to Ezekiel 39, 8 to 16, seven months will be required to bury the dead and the armaments of war will be burned for seven years afterwards. The tense Middle East situation certainly signals the return of Christ. That's happening right now. So anyway, he goes on to talk about, in light of the precedent and devastation just described, he goes, a few additional thoughts are appropriate at this time. He says, first of all, when Russia, under the names of Gog, Magog, Meshach, Tubal, and Rosh, invade. Now, I disagree with him here because Gog is the leader of Magog, but we'll go on. You know, he says, invades Israel. The largest armies in the history of the world will converge on the Middle East. Ezekiel states that they will come up like a cloud. And John tells us that the number of the army of the horsemen is 200 thousand thousand or 200 million and no wonder the conflict is so incredible so see i mentioned earlier that they think that is like a man's army of 200 million see but i and other scholars now later on believe that not to be a like an actual physical human army but to be a demonic army but who knows it could be a human army i mean we don't know i mean it's gonna we won't be here but you know god gave us his word and i think it's amazing mm. Mm. but i mean we won't be here to see it but one day we'll know the truth we'll actually be watching from heaven 
But I think we'll have a lot more going on in heaven than that. But I think that's something that we'll want to see. And I'm, you know, the Lord's going to show us. Could you imagine to see how mighty, how mighty, mighty, mighty our God is? And this is what it's all about to show how mighty he is. And the people that have, I mean, he's still, there's still an angel flying through heaven, you know, to preaching the gospel. And there's still the 144,000 Jews preaching the gospel during all of this. God doesn't want anybody to perish. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He wants all to come to repentance in his son, Jesus Christ. But it'd be kind of neat anyway to see. So he goes on and he talks about the weapons and then, of course, Russia. But I'm not going to go through that because I don't. I mean, he has a different viewpoint than I do. But I mean, it's kind of cool to read other people's viewpoint. Like I always say, you know, you can learn something from everybody. Right. So anywho, let's move right along here. Move this over a tad bit. So chapter 16. So here are the bowl judgments. Now, this is the first bowl, which I talked about earlier, which was the Lotham sores, right? Of those who take in the mark of the beast, they're going to break out in these severely painful um, sores, right? It's going to be, ugh, it's going to be terrible. Could you imagine? Ugh. But anyway, let's, let's read about it. So I'm reading out of the uh, New King James Version. So this is uh, Revelation 16. So it goes, then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. The first bowl was Lotham sores. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth and a foul and Lotham sore came upon the men who had, who had the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. Second bowl, which is the sea turns to blood. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it became blood as of a dead man and every living creature in the sea died. The third bowl, which is the waters turned to blood. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, you, O righteous, O Lord, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets and you have given them blood to drink. For it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And then the fourth bow, men are scorched. So, ooh, sorry about that, you guys. <laughs> so uh, the fourth angel came and let's make sure my mic's still working. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, this little finicky, you know. Uh, so the fourth bow, men are scorched. So, it says here, then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. The empower was given to him to scorch men with fire. Oof. And men were scorched with great heat. And they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I just can't imagine that. I can't imagine that even then they refuse, they refuse to give God glory. I just, man, whew. anyway, then darkness and pain. Here's the fifth bowl. Then the fifth angel, I knew it wouldn't be long until my cat come on. <laughs> then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed at the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. The sixth bowl, the Euphrates dried up. 
Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and his water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am, this is Jesus speaking. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and see, and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place in Hebrew called Armageddon. And then the seventh bowl, the earth shaken, utterly shaken. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now, he says, the great city was divided into three parts. It says, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and great hell from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent, and in our weight that is 200 pounds in America. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hell, since that plague was exceedingly great. Folks, can you imagine? Just take a moment and let all that sink in. Can you imagine? I can't imagine that. But it's coming. And then we ain't even got to the great harlot yet. And that's coming. And of course, Babylon, Babylon, the great has fallen, has fallen. That's coming too. It's exciting times, people. It's exciting times. Anyway, who says the Bible is boring? Somebody tell me. <laughs> Seriously, who? Has anybody read, you read the Bible? Because it most definitely is not boring. No, it's not boring. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I'm having some serious mic issues. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Don't want to say anything bad about the sure mic because, you know, I just got another one. The other one crashed and burned on me, but, you know, which when I took it back to the guitar center, like, this has never happened before. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> uh, leave it to me or it happened to me, but that's okay. Yeah, we thought it was covered under warranty, but it was not. So I thought I was going to get the other one. They thought so too, but it wasn't. So I had to order another one. Oh, well. Mm. Okay, so moving right along. Let's do a little bit of study in this then. So can you imagine Lothom? So, so I don't know if you guys paid any attention, but, you know, when they try to put those, um, the little grain of rice, the little microchips, you know, whatever under people's skins. Well, they've had, some of them have had sores from that, right? And so they're like, wow, that's kind of weird, but not really, because if you think about it, really, who knows what that's going to do, you can have the RFID, you can have all that, but a lot of people think it's going to be inside, right, the mark of the beast, but it's not, because the Greek word, what it says is on the skin. So you have a mark of the beast that's going to be on your skin, but I don't know if you guys realize this, but there's the Luciferius right now. I did a, I did an episode a long time ago. I think it was like last July, I believe, talking about Luciferius and all this stuff and these, these little quantum dot tattoos and all this stuff that they've already got right. And you can it'll show with your phone, like infrared, like they could scan it with your cell phone, like an infrared, right? 
and it shows it's like it shows up on your skin when they scan it right and you're like what the what so i think it's gonna be something like that it could be and uh, of course, you know, they're always saying, well, you can put your vaccine status on there too. So see, you wouldn't even have to carry your cell phone in to like show, or you wouldn't have to have to, you would keep up with this, you know, oh my gosh, oh, it's so hard to keep up with your vaccine card, you know? So we can just put this tattoo on your forehead or on your right hand and look, you wouldn't have to keep up with it. It can hold all your medical records. And it can hold all this and that and that and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And y'all know we are moving towards a cashless society. The Bible spoke about that for years. And everybody's like, oh, y'all. Man, you know, y'all cute little conspiracy theorists. Golly gee. Y'all poor little things. As we say in Texas, bless your heart. Well, yeah, we were right. <laughs> the only reason we were right is because the Bible told us. So it's not conspiracy theory. It's Bible. So God knows the end from the beginning and he told us he warned his children he wrote us a book and told us hey this is what's gonna happen you guys you know what i mean so yeah what was that old show you know what i mean Vern? <laughs> of course if you don't live in america i don't know if y'all got to watch Vern. but hey anyway so so much stuff is is going on i am so excited about this i mean i'm telling you this is so exciting i wish i could do a better job um of explaining all this to you guys uh i wish i could uh, make it you know a little bit clearer a little bit more concise but i have add so bad i try i really do <laughs> if y'all were to see me to see my desk i have got commentary and bibles like literally spread out everywhere in my outfit i've got uh stuff up um on the internet i've got you know craziness i mean i really do try i hope you guys know i do i really do try um but you know it gets down to this part it's pretty much it's pretty much covered but yeah so chapter chapter 16 uh, I'm going to skip along over here um, and the jacket vanity. And so he even talks about, uh, let me see the tabernacle of God. Cause it talks about like, um, oh, what is it? What is that called? Uh, it's not Jehovah Jireh, uh, which is our healer. It's Jehovah. I thought I read that earlier, but maybe not. I'm sure I did. I just don't remember where I read it at or which commentary I read it from. So, you know, darn it i'll put it out if i find that i'll put it in the notes but anyway so we get one down here and he goes chapter 15 so that was uh the heavens and the and the marvelous angels and like is everything's complete right and uh, the tribulation and so all that good stuff and it says uh, he says thus there's no doubt whatsoever that the tribulation saints enjoy victory over the beast his image his mark and the number of his name by the word of god and prayer he goes they died for the name of jesus and are conquerors because of death had they remained alive by accepting the beast and his number they would have been losers he says of course they you know would go to hell anybody takes the mark of the beast is doomed to hell there ain't no way around that people so anyway he goes on to talk about the first the first judgments i mean folks this is gonna be oh, man it's gonna be it's going to be so terrifying that the words can't really do it justice right like i i can't do it justice for you guys to explain it but he says here this is chapter 16 this is from jack vanabee and he says the information presented in the following 21 verses should cause all men to examine the relationship with almighty god the events we are about to observe are both awesome and terrifying in fact 
The only consolation for the believer is that he will not be present when the forthcoming scenario actually takes place. He says, by the time our study is concluded, we will understand and appreciate more than ever before the words of the apostle Paul and Titus looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is Titus 2.13. Uh, the final seven judgments of the tribulation hour are to begin. And so he carries them out with verse one. Okay, this is the seven angels with a route with the with that's good about to pour out uh, the vials or the bowls of wrath of God onto the earth, right? He says, The voice of Almighty God issues uh, forth from the smoke filled temple, directing the angels to carry out their duties. Remember, God Himself is sending forth these judgments, His holiness. Um, has been offended. Mankind has worshipped a man, the Antichrist, the devil in human skin, even bowing to his image, the abomination of desolation. The true and eternal God is justly angry. angry. He cannot allow this iniquity to go unjudged. So anyway, it says, Jehovah says, I am the Lord. And he goes, that is my name and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. And that's, um, he talks about that in Isaiah 42, 8. So anyway, we're going to move along here. So the first angel, right, poured out uh, the vomit on the earth. Of course, there's the grievous, it says, and noisome sores. And this is the King James, King James Version. And he, of course, he goes, what a scene. As the first bowl is poured out and men become covered with ulcerated sores, they had the mark of the B666, and now they have the mark of God, ulcers. These festering infections probably obscure the beast's number. It says, can this verse be taken literally? The plague is similar to one of the past history. He says, and the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, take you take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. And it shall become small dust in all the land of Pharaoh and shall be a boil breaking forth with, with blains. Of course, that's ulcerated sores. And so this is what happened to the Egyptians, right? And there's other, it happened in other places too. But it says, second bowl which is, uh, uh, it became the blood of the dead man. That's all the water became a blood of the dead man. And again, history records the time when the waters turned to blood. That was back with Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Remember that? And uh, it says, if God did it once, he can certainly do it again. And he is the omnipotent, all-powerful God. And uh, his promises never fail. So the third bowl, of course, uh, it's talking about the, the fountains of the waters became blood and uh, the waters and everything in it died and like the the for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets and thou has given them blood to drink for they are worthy of that so it says by this time one may have been tempted to believe that god is not just to the contrary god is always equitable fair and righteous in his dealings with men genesis 18 25 declares shall not the judge of all the earth do right no man has all the facts in his possession thus he must wait until he meets god face to face then and only then will he be able to make unbiased decisions. I don't know about you, but God is always righteous, and I would never question him. But, I mean, I'm reading Revelation, I wouldn't, because they had, they've had opportun numerous opportunities to accept Christ as their Savior, and they willfully, flat out, rejected him. So anyway, um, he goes on to talk about the bold judgments and the sun, this is the inhabitant of planet Earth, now experienced the greatest heat wave in history. <laughs> All those people talking about global warming. You just wait. Anyway, so many of us remember what happened in the South during the summer of the 80s. Crops were parched. A great number of people died as temperatures consistently soared above 100. Ooh, I remember that. 
in the early 2000s too but anyway so the earth becomes so drastically hot during the judgment that god has to alleviate the suffering by shortening the daylight hours can you imagine whoa says uh so uh jesus says in matthew 24 22 and except those days be should be shortened there should there should no flesh be saved but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened so it goes on to talk about um you know all this all in the sixth bold judgment the fifth bold judgment and uh man you guys it's it's insane it is it's insane he goes on to talk about like the fifth bold judgment which is they're gnawing their teeth because of the darkness right they're like gnawing their tongues for pain and uh, they blasphemed the god of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds so whereas the fourth judgment produced unusual brightness through the scorching rays of the sun, the fifth bold judgment unleashes darkness upon the very throne of the Antichrist and throughout his entire empire. Uh, this could certainly be related to the shortening of the days and lengthening of the nights as already described. Whatever the darkness is, we take it to be literal as was the Egyptian plagues described in Exodus 10 and 21 and 23. But he goes, what a thrilling moment for the saints on earth. They see the satanically controlled or devil incarnated leader humiliated internationally as the power of God is unleashed upon his seat of government. This scene is equated with the day of the Lord. So that's at uh, Amos 518. Who is the military Colossus that produces such darkness and gloominess in the last days? And he goes on to say Russia does. And of course, he, I'm not for sure when he wrote this. I could not find, um, I, my dog is going nuts. He's just, he is running around. He got the zoomies. I don't know if any of you guys have dogs that get the zoomies, but my little chihuahua gets the zoomies. And he'd be flying through this house, him and the cat both. It's kind of cute. Um, but yeah, because in the end days, Russia will, because they will invade Israel. And the, I guess it's going to be Magog, right? But anyway, and then, of course, the the sixth bowl judgment, which is the great river Euphrates. So that's kind of cool. So I was going to say this. So they have a dam over there that can actually shut that off, I think, in Turkey. And it literally, it'll, it can dry up. I mean, they can do that like right now. Is that insane? That's crazy. But yeah, there's like all, all kinds of stuff coming. And I'm uh, so that's the sixth bowl judgment. And so what I wanted to do uh, tomorrow um is pick up there after the bowl judgments because we've done the earth utterly shakes so we've done the bowl judgments right and i'm going to do some more studying but i really want to do uh talk about chapter 17 tomorrow we're going to break it down so not, i'm not going to do 17 and 18 tomorrow but i will be 17 and that's the scarlet woman and the scarlet beast and you guys are going to want to hear about that that's mystery babylon the great the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth and that is going to get exciting so anyway, I hope my rambling somehow um, has gotten gotten you guys uh, excited about reading the Bible, has gotten you encouraged about reading the Bible, and hopefully um, the Holy Spirit will convict you if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior. I hope somehow, some way, my ADD rambling somehow, some way, trying, um, you know, to 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 get the word out. Um, I hope I just pray that the Holy Spirit will convict you of your sin. And if you are listening, I pray that you would listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I would pray that today would be the day of your salvation. Now, because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. The Bible says anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. What are you waiting for? 
do you really want to go through this tribulation? Do you want to go through this? I don't think so. I mean, I sure would want to go through it. I mean, it's coming. It's going to happen, just like the Bible says. I look around the world today, and I want you to go back. And I did one not too long ago about uh, the prophecies of the Bible that have already come to pass, that have already that have already been fulfilled, and there's a lot. So, you know, it's going to happen, just like the Bible said. It's going to happen, just like God said it will. It's coming. So, please, don't wait. Don't wait until you're in the tribulation going, Oh, man, I remember. I remember something about these people disappearing. What do they say? What do those people say? They said, oh, what those Christians say? They said, this is coming. What's going to happen next? But if you do find yourself, um, and we've been raptured, if you do find yourself on the earth, like what's going on? I have a book on Amazon. It's called After the Rapture, What Comes Next? Heather O'Daniel. I do believe it's like $3.99 or something like that. And uh, if you have it, you can actually get it on, uh, you can get it on, what's that, Kindle too. You can get it on Kindle as well. And I do have a fiction series, which is about the rapture of the church, but is looked at from like a sci-fi unbeliever's point of view. I'm writing book three right now, but I have two books on there. And the first one is actually on Audible too. Um, but yeah, it's kind of cool. Uh, so check check those out. It's called Aliens, Demons, or Angels. And uh, the first one is uh, World in Chaos. The second one is called World of Peace. Uh, and I'm working on the four horsemen of the apocalypse right now. So it's really, really cool. I think I've done some reading on them um, on here before. Um, let me see here. Yeah, I've done some like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Just read a couple chapters, you know, to kind of like this is here. I've got book two right here. Uh, let's see here. It says book one. This is uh, from book one. It kind of leads into book two. And I'll just kind of give you a synopsis. So book one says, Chrissy awoke to the news of mass disappearances and unbelievable carnage from around the world. She was able to meet up with a group of her friends. And together, they were bracing for what was to come. They were waiting to hear from Global Citizens News at 6 p.m. And that is where we pick up the story. And so this is the first chapter. It says, Father Antonio Remus, along with Klaus Gates, is just about to make a stunning announcement. They know who removed those religious fanatics and why. Much to the shock of those left behind, Father Antonio Remus is about to announce where they have been relocated to. They will have vowed to usher in a new utopia of peace and safety. On the outside, Father Antonio seems to be a humble, pious religious figure, but underneath lurks something very sinister. Meeting in a smoke-filled room, Father Antonio, Klaus Gates, Bruce Kushner, and 10 world leaders discuss their plans of dominating the world with their new, quote, friends, unquote, the demons. And then it continues. So, anyway, it's kind of cool. It's right out of, right out of my imagination. So, anyway, um, hopefully, I, I just pray that even these fiction books will, you know, you know, bring you to the Bible. My ultimate goal in doing all this is to bring people back to the Bible, is to bring you back to the Bible. So it's not about just listening to people. It's not about just, you know, uh, watching sermons. Or it's about the Bible. Because believe me, you read the Bible, God's going to speak to you through His Word. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you through His Word. It's called the living and active Word. So that's my prayer. That's why I do all this is to bring people back to the Word of God. So anyway, with that, guys, I'm going to get out of here. And what do I always say? Get in the Word of God. Let the Word of God get into you. And Maranatha, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, thank you guys so much for listening. And may God bless each and every one of you. May He protect you during these end times and give you wisdom and discernment. In Jesus' name, amen.